Okay, first of all, Mr. Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know, you know this is going to be a Ben and Mac, you know, Latin, you know, a team effort here. And presently, you know, uh, that, you know Mr. Uh, Mac has made in you. But tell us a little bit about yourself personally. We can go from there. Sure. I'm the executive director for Kansas City Community Gardens. I've been here now for 35 years. Mm -hmm. And our agency works to help people grow their own food in backyards and vacant lots and at community sites. And we work with schools. We also have community orchards, and that's the program that Matt helps us with. He's part of our Giving Grow program where we grow fruit. And so uh, we're just all about trying to help people grow food here in Kansas City. Okay, well, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, you work with, with the entire community. I know, uh, you know, Black Chamber of Commerce, one of our members, Mr. Uh, Bill Cole, uh, you know, the son of uh, Carol Cole. Uh, yeah. Uh, he has uh, a, a, a program he has run called uh, Green Acres, going with, his, with the city and the young people there. Uh, is he part of some, somebody you work with also? Yes, yeah, he's part of our program. He uh, is one of our, what we call community partner gardens and they've been gardening with us for several years now. So those kinds of agencies, we help them get fruit and you know seeds and all that kind of stuff. Okay, well, using him as an example, okay, uh, someone that will come to you, uh, longer in, in the greater St. Louis Kansas area, you know, um, they're there to be one of your clients, or how does that work? I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't hear you very well. I said if someone came to you, and they can't see the area, and they want you to know, be involved with your program, what was the first thing they would be required to have? Um, if they want to, so we actually work with individual families too, so someone can sign up to have a garden in their own backyard, or they can rent a plot. Uh, but if, if, if someone wants to do a group or a community garden, they just need to talk with our staff that works with all the community sites, or if they want to work with an orchard, they would talk to Matt Bunch, or Mary Jane Myros with our Giving Grove program. Um, and by the way, so Matt has just joined us, so he's here in the office now. Hello, Mr. Right. MC, you still there? Yes, sir. Well, Matt, are you, are you, are you um, tuning in? Did you pick up your phone? Yeah, yeah, I sure did, yeah. Okay, I'm doing this ahead of you, so you're going to have to introduce yourself. <laughs> All right, so uh, so I'm Matt Bunch. I am the horticulturist for the Giving Grove, and so uh, uh, the Giving Grove is a program of Kansas City Community Gardens, and we uh, well we work with uh, groups all around the metro. We we've uh, helped install over 200 orchards throughout the Kansas City area. So these are you know orchards of anywhere from 10 to 100 trees. And we work with a lot of nonprofits, work, work with schools, work with neighborhood organizations, communities of faith. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a little bit about us. Well, both of you can tell the people that uh, how to become a member, and you can kind of say what each type of member, like I'm a green card member, okay? Sure. We have different levels of membership, and it's based on income. And so, yeah, so. Uh, the green card is for lower income households, uh, and then we have a yellow card, which is kind of a medium income, and then uh, a higher income level is blue card. And so, depending on the card color, will, will depend on the cost. So, like for instance, a green card family can get a membership for two dollars, and then get some ten packs of seeds, get them a ten pound bag of fertilizer. 
Um, they can also sign up to rent a plot or get tilling in their backyard for about 10 or $12. So the whole idea is just to make it very affordable. And then with that membership, they can also buy vegetable plants at low cost and about a third of the cost of the garden center. So really trying to make it affordable for people. Okay, and what about the fruit trees, uh, trees uh, Matt? Well, uh, so, uh, I mean, the same same kind of applies there. Is uh, uh, So we are trying to make these uh, low cost, and so we do every year we have a bare root fruit tree order. And uh, so one of, the, one of the things that, uh, well, just like on the vegetable side of things, you know, all of these vegetables are... Uh, are ones that do extremely well uh and just it's the same for the fruit trees so these are all fruit trees that have good disease resistance uh to a lot of the major fruit diseases that we experience in the area like for example with apples it's apple scab and fire blight those are the two big things that we have to deal with and then uh, with, with uh, the Asian pears and the European pears, it's pear scab and fire blight, and on and on. So, so we have selected varieties that uh, well thrive in the Kansas City area because there are, there are thousands of varieties of fruits out there. And really only, only a few varieties do uh, well around here. What about do you have uh, dwarf fruit trees? So most of our fruit trees would be considered semi-dwarf. Uh, semi-dwarf is, oh, kind of loosely a category of, of 12 to 18 feet tall on, on sort of like, let's say, your apple tree or your your pear tree. Now, semi-dwarf on a pear, because a full-size pear, it will get upwards of 30 to 35 feet tall. So semi-dwarf on a pear is going to be more like 20 to 24 feet tall. However, it's all about how you prune and when you prune uh, in order to uh, dwarf your fruit trees. Well, would you would you explain what you mean by prune? What is what does that consist of? Yeah, yeah. Well, prune, prune is not just a fruit, but it's uh, it's something you do to your trees. So. Um, by, by pruning your fruit trees, so there are a couple times to prune your fruit trees. One is the dormant season, which has just now left us. We're, we're already in the spring and, and buds have been broken. But then the next time to prune is in July and August. And July and August pruning on a lot of your older mature fruit trees will actually start stunning their growth. And it's that, that stunning of the growth which actually starts dwarfing the tree. So, for example, we have some Asian pear trees right outside our building that uh, we now manage them at about a 12-foot level. So they were upwards of 16 to 18 feet tall, uh, but we are now managing them at a, a shorter level. So so this, this can be done just by using pruning techniques. Uh, back to sort of the dwarf trees, uh, sometimes we do offer dwarf trees or trees that are a little bit smaller uh, to, to make it easier for people to maintain and to harvest. When do they reach maturity? Well, that's just it. You know, fruit trees are, are really quick to mature. Uh, so, 
I mean, really, by year seven or year eight in the ground, uh, that is considered a mature fruit tree. And so you'll be getting, let's say it's an apple tree, you'll be getting that uh, 150 to 300 pounds of fruit per tree. We, we have some trees in the ground, so we started our, uh, our program uh, planting trees in 2013. And, and so we have, have some trees that have been in since then, and we're getting 400 to 450 apples per tree. And these are nice, full-size, uh, you know, half-pound apples. So uh, really not too long before you start getting a harvest. Well, here's the other thing. Uh, a lot of you just don't buy one tree. Because I got the Asian pear, you have to buy at least two for pollination to take place. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true for a lot of species. So with Asian pear, it's yeah, definitely recommended to have two different varieties so you can have the cross-pollinization and the fertilization of the flowers. Now, with, uh, with tart cherries, you don't have to worry about that. Or with peaches, you do not have to worry about that because uh, those, those species, they are self-fertile. But most of your apples, pears, Asian pears, uh, they are going to require a, another variety to help pollinate. Well, we're talking about uh, fruit trees or orchard. I don't know how large the space you need, but a lot of people are into that, uh, want to be into that. How long, well, you say, what about the dwarf trees? How long should they, one, wait to bear fruit or should they have to go to the grocery store? Uh, to one of the other orchards to get, to get fruit. Right, right. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about this is you can plant a tree today and it will actually flower for you in a couple weeks. Now, the, the thing about that is you, you really have to be patient because you don't want, for the first two to three years that the tree's in the ground, you do not want uh, those trees to put fruits on. So there's a little mantra that uh, I kind of kind of go by. It's, it's roots and shoots and not fruits. And so you want those roots to get settled into the ground. You want those shoots, as in the vegetative part of the plant, you want it to grow good and strong. And then by year three in the ground, it's okay for that tree to put on flowers and then to go ahead and set fruit. So by year three, now you could have 50 or 60 fruits on your apple or your Asian pear tree. By year five, that's going to be double that, if not more. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, this is April the 10th. When should one purchase that? Is there a certain time you should purchase these trees? Yeah, so, uh, well, our sale with the Kansas City Community Gardens is now over with the fruit trees, but... But uh, you, it's, it's still advisable to plant fruit trees up until about the, the first week of June, or I'm sorry, well, first week of May. Because <laughs> uh, uh, really, you don't want to get into June or July uh, and plant a tree because the weather gets, gets pretty hot and, and the rainfall is not as reliable as we want it to be. So more than anything, you're... Uh, you're kind of stressing yourself out and stressing the tree out when you when you plant too late in uh, kind of late spring, early summer. So 
so April is a perfect time to plant trees. Of course, uh, there's there's a reason why Arbor Day is uh, is in April. Uh, and, but yeah, you can plant up until that first uh, first couple weeks of May, uh, and then the next best time is to plant trees in the fall. Uh, now I know a lot of nurseries don't have uh, have that stock left in the fall, uh, but some of them do. And if you plant October, November, that's uh, one of the next best times to plant trees. Okay, and the people down in the membership. Well, I know we will repeat this, but give your location and a phone number if somebody's interested in getting becoming a part of Community Garden. Sure, we are located in Slope Park. We're at 6917 Kensington, and we're just a couple blocks from the, the Nature Center and the new Pet Center, uh, not far from the zoo. So it's easy to get to us right off of Gregory. And coming from 435 or from 71, either one. And our phone number is 816-931-3877. And our website is www kccg.org Okay, we got Matt and we'll come back to you, Matt. Now, Ben, tell us about what you're responsible for as a planter. I know you're the overall, what they say, the boss of the Greater Kansas City Community Garden, but let's kind of enlighten or educate or orientate our people what is happening with the plants and when can they be purchased. It's a certain time, and I don't know if you use a form of almanac or what for people they used to do that people who grew up on farms sure um, right now it's time for the cool season vegetables so people come and want to want to get a membership they can come in now to the office sign up we'll get them signed up even if they've never done it before and they can get some seeds and plants and not have to spend very much money and uh, but right now planting the cool season Vegetables is the thing to do. So think of things like broccoli, cabbage, lettuce, mustard greens, turnip greens, collards, kale, um, spinach, all those kinds of things. They really like the cool weather and they can tolerate some, some colder weather. In fact, we're actually going to have a little bit of frost this week and they should be just fine. Although actually, wait, this is going to be April 10th. Hopefully we won't be having any, any, won't be having any frost by then. So um, they'll need to plant cool season vegetables. That's about the end of that time, but then coming up at the end of April, 1st of May, it's time for the warm season vegetables, things like tomatoes and peppers, eggplants, cucumbers, squash, etc. Okay, uh, y'all have anything like that in St. Louis, Howard? Uh, well, you see, we probably do. I know one of the things that uh, I have worked with here in St. Louis was uh, my, my co-host, matter of fact, uh, Elder uh, Alan Lyles, uh, he works with the city in a weed and seed program we have here that's been quite successful on a lot of different parts of the city where, uh, you know, uh, you know they do something similar but not not to the level that, that is being described here. But I will have a couple of questions for you. How much space would you want to need, okay, to, to, to try to look at building a tree or something like that? Because I think one, one thing is something that uh, with, with what happened, you know, around the world, you know, food-wise, to have your own, you know, vegetables in your own garden, you can't, you can't, you can't meet because the prices are going up like crazy. Now, who's going to be first to answer? So, 
So I was that a question on on space on fruit trees there? Yeah, yes. How much? Like that's how you missed you missed the apple trees. You missed the grass for different trees. So how much space would one need in the, in the, in the regular backyard? Is something that's ideal, or would they need something larger than that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, of course, it does depend on variety. Uh, like some of these, uh, well, for example, there, there are these bush cherries that are out there. They're a tart cherry, and they grow on a shrub, and uh, all you need is one of them. And this thing gets you now six, seven feet tall, six, seven feet wide. So, uh, you know, that's all the space you would need for something like that. Now, uh, now, if you're talking uh, sort of your more traditional dwarf or semi-dwarf fruit tree, uh, you would want to you would want to give it about ten to twelve feet of space. Uh, uh, really, we like to give things about fifteen foot of space, so fifteen feet on center, and uh, and this is also you know eight hours of sun a day too. Uh, so so yeah, that's. Um, yeah, I'd say some of those dwarf varieties uh, that are on on a dwarfing rootstock, uh, you can you can space them eight, six or eight feet on center, but uh, it's hard to find those uh, varieties on on that rootstock. And you said dwarfing is that? What does that mean? Well, what what dwarf means, and and mainly it applies to apples, but uh, so it means that they are on a rootstock that actually uh, decreases the size of the plant. So there are some rootstocks like B9 or, uh, or G41. You'll see these listed out there. And what that means is, so a normal apple tree is going to be about 24 to 30 feet tall. Wow. So these, these rootstocks will decrease the, the height and width of the plant, so they're something more like like eight feet tall and eight feet wide. Uh, so that's, that's what that means. Now, uh, there's also, to confuse you even more, uh, there, there are something called genetic dwarfs out there. And so there are, are peaches, um, there are a number of peach varieties that are genetic dwarfs, and so they will not get more than about seven to eight feet tall and wide. So, well, I guess the next question, okay, for a person as a, as a beginner, a gardener, of, uh, either you know, doing what you guys are doing, how many seeds, how would, how would you know how many seeds to put, you know, to put in, you know, when you're planting them, you put one seed in the ground or two seeds, how, 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 would, that, how would that work out? Sure, and that's going to depend a lot on which crop you're going to plant. We actually have, on our website, we have a a tool that will help you figure that out. Okay. If you, it's like a little computer program, but basically you're telling it how much space you have and, and which crops you want to grow, and then it'll help you figure out how much spacing you need for each crop. And it'll tell you, um, you know, about how many packets of seeds you'll need. Okay. Uh, something that helps people too is maybe just come look at a garden, like we have a garden here at the community garden, if you have a demonstration garden, you can see the crops, and then you'll see how much space different things take. Like, you know, zucchini squash spreads out quite a bit. But, you uh -huh. know, things like lettuce, they don't take very much room. They're small, and you can put a lot of them close together. So just seeing a vegetable garden, I think, is really helpful to people if they've never done it before. 
But you know, if you answer your question, though, I do have a cousin that does. Uh, he's also a chef. Uh, he also does community garden. You know, you know, he, you know he, when he does, you know, for his, you know, for his businesses, and also he works with a lot, of, a lot of young people. And matter of fact, he also uses goats to, you know, to take care of you know, the, you know, the, you know, the grass needs to be cut also. So yes, I can. When there are some people, I'm thinking about that in, uh, in the community that they do, you know, plant, you know, you no know, garden because, like I said, the price of, uh, you know, uh, of, you know, the, the different, you know, vegetables are kind of expensive. Uh, you know, and most recently, I guess uh, we just had this this uh, this barge, or this you know this container got stuck in the you know, in the, in the Suez Canal, and a lot of times we get a lot of stuff from, from foreign countries that we, that, that we import here in our grocery stores. Well, that's been that was freed up last week. Yesterday, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, we're talking April the tenth, and. That was last week. But what I wanted to know, back to the uh, plants, and I know we got our retired major, Barry, she wanted to get on, but this is adding more fruit for her to talk about. But I know a lot of time you got to get sweet potato way early because they'll run out, and a lot of people place the order maybe a month or two ahead of time. Just talking about the sweet potato plants, but the other plants. Orders for sweet potatoes, and uh, people can... Uh, place orders, tell us how many dozen they want to get. You don't actually have to pay for them now. Just give us your name and email address and how many you want to get, and you'll get on the waiting list. So when they do come in, which is usually the first week in May sometimes, um, then we'll call you and you can come pick them up. The sweet potatoes are so easy to grow, and they produce a lot, a lot of food. So definitely something worthwhile to garden. Now, you say that what? Do you have different types of sweet potatoes? Right now, we're only carrying one. Um, it's just, a, it's a really good, hearty variety for here. It's, uh, it's, it's it, the right length for the season because sometimes if you just get like a sweet potato from the grocery store, it might be a different variety that takes a longer season to grow. Uh -huh. We produce nice, nice sweet potatoes in the amount of time that we have for our season. Well, you know, the other thing that people want to make, uh, they want to grow uh I know uh, watermelon, the other uh, cantaloupe, and other things like that. And some of them say that you need sandy soil for that to grow. Is that true? Um, that's not true. Um, it's a better way to say it would be you don't want to have a really bad clay soil. And that's the problem around here. We have lots of clay in our soil. But a good, regular topsoil, a nice what we call loam soil, will be fine for growing watermelons or cantaloupes. Um, you know, if your garden soil isn't very good, you can add some organic matter, and that will improve the quality of it. We're going to be doing a workshop here on Friday about garden soils and about how to improve your soils. So that's something else people can check from our website. You can actually come to the workshop. Uh, you can watch it live on, you know, live stream on the computer, or you can watch it later on the YouTube channel. I know we have a retired uh, major, uh, Rebecca Bradley. Is she, is she with us, Sour? Yes, she is. Yes. Okay. And we're uh, mad and then don't go nowhere because she has a lot of questions for you. And I have a saying, the public has the right to know. <laughs> <laughs> and first, uh, I've been knowing this young lady for quite some time. But I, she wanted me to introduce her, but... We can't let Ben and Matt outdo her, 
So we'll let her introduce herself. <laughs> We're ready for you, uh, Major. All right. God bless everyone. My name is Rebecca Bradley, and I grew up here in Kansas City. I went to uh, Central Missouri State, now University of Central Missouri, and I went into the military from there. I have joined ROTC. I did seven years active, three years in the reserve, and I came out a major, yes. But you know, uh, as a child growing up in Kansas City, I grew up in uh, the city, and we had a lot of fruit trees. And uh, we enjoyed that. My mom would plant plants, and I grew up to plant plants, and now my daughter's planting plants. And, um, you know, as I was researching for this story, I came up on Lady Bird Johnson's Wildflower Center, and they talked about influencers. And these influencers were black women who were formerly slaves, how they took care of the plantations, and that they did a lot of the uh, beautification of those plantations. And they also started putting tin cans together so they could plant their potted plants. And so I thought that was very interesting, and I wanted to make sure that I would bring that out because this is some historical facts that we generally don't talk about. And they do have a black women plant club. My daughter, um, she finds this very relaxing and she already started. She started with her tomato, tomatoes and her herbs and she's in Mississippi. And weather is a whole lot better down there than it is up here. But uh, as a veteran, my organization, National Association for Black Veterans, we uh, get out in the community and meet the needs. Generally, where you see a need, you try to meet the need. And we have noticed where we meet down on 18th and Vine in the Jazz District that some of the uh, community, when it comes to plants and flowers, weeds are growing. So we took a, a, one of our meeting days and we met down there and cut down a lot of weeds that were choking the roses. And so I am interested in anything community, anything Gordon, because I believe that adds aesthetic value to our community. Because we can get out and we can ask, you know, this agency, this agency, if they don't come out, we're the type of people, veterans, black veterans, we take charge. And that's exactly what we did. We got in there and it took us about a few hours, but it looked when we got through, but then the pandemic hit, and no one uh, was able to get out and do it, and the weeds have grown back. So my question is, what can we do to prevent those weeds from growing back, as well as beautify that community? Because in our community, uh, on 18th and Vine, they took down bushes, or should I say evergreens, and the evergreens eventually turned yellow because no one waters them. Or there plants that we can use based on the soil down there that doesn't need a lot of watering, keeping in mind that it's very sunny down there. I think I said a mouthful. What do you think? Well, we're waiting for our answer. She is. All right. So she wants to know about how to stop the weeds from coming back. Um, 
that's the that's the that's the question everybody wants to know because if you if you use like some strong weed killers, um, that will stop them from coming back, depending on what kind of weed they are. But that also can maybe prevent you from being able to grow something else there. So you, and then also to damage any other crops you're maybe trying to protect. So um, generally, just keeping things mowed and trimmed will keep weeds under control a whole lot. If you, if you could mow stuff, um, weeds will generally not totally take over. Um, but if, if a lot goes unmowed for a long time, yeah, the weeds will come in and just totally take over. So that's a problem. Mm -hmm. What kind of plants? Because uh, I noticed, like, when you go down to the more <clears throat> high dollars neighborhood districts, they have beautiful plants down there. But when you go down to 18th and Vine, what you have is green shrubbery. So we have put in requests to get all of that data to see if we could get some flowers or whatever. But we're not going to wait. They haven't done it. What can we purchase or can the community garden help us with some flowers that we ourselves can put down? So we don't actually... Um our mission is not to grow flowers, but we do sell some flower seeds, and so members uh -huh. can buy some seeds. We also are starting to carry a, a few uh, perennial flowers, some native-type plants that will help attract bees for pollinating fruits and vegetables. Um, there is a native plant society that might be able to help you if you're trying to come up with some varieties. Um, yeah, the, the deep roots. Uh Deep Roots, uh, they're formerly the Kansas City Native Plant Initiative. Uh, they they might be able to help you figure out something, uh, especially native plants, to, to help beautify that area. Uh, mm -hmm. Don't want to forget about cannas, too, because every year uh, uh, we do sell a few cannas. And cannas Generally, yeah. Um, so yeah, you wouldn't have to replant them. Are you trying to find some perennial things that you wouldn't have to dig up every year, wouldn't have to plant? You know, perennials is fine, and even using seeds are fine. I uh, once used seeds when, in the home that I lived in, and they would grow back every year, and I loved it. You know, I think about uh, Lady Bird Johnson, how she used wildflowers. Uh, to beautify the highway. Is there something that we can do similar that we can put down in our community that would grow back uh, yearly? Well, and, and so, yeah, I, I know the uh, one of the missions of the, the Lady Bird Johnson Wildflower Center is to promote native, native wildflowers. And so uh, we do have, uh, we will have a number of those native perennial wildflowers for sale a little bit later on, and then you can speak to, to when they will be. Yeah, that's right. We will have a, a plant sale here that's sponsored by another organization, the Westport Garden Club will be holding that. Uh, it will be on our website, the information, but I think it's later in April. Um, so if you're looking for native plants, perennials that would flower, that's good. We also have a small pollinator garden here that you can come see some really nice examples of some perennial um, perennial flowering plants. Okay, that, that would be nice because uh, just seeing an example is something that we could go with 
and uh, our organization, we have ladies as well as men who are veterans, uh, and we enjoy what we do, giving back to the community. Uh, like I stated, we came down with our shears and our uh, weed eaters, and then there was a gentleman by the name of Darius, and he works for the city, and he came out and helped us as well. So um, anything that you can teach us or show us, uh, what perennial seed native, is, what would you suggest that we can put down on some of these areas? Well, uh, I, I think uh, the, the first thing I I think of is it's called clustered mountain mint. It is, uh -huh. uh, so if, if you know mint, this is closely related to the culinary mint, but this is a, uh, a really beautiful plant. It brings in so many different pollinators, and really it is uh, pretty, pretty maintenance-free. You cut, oh, really? it every, you cut it down every year, this time of year, and then you just let it grow. And it flowers for, gosh, three months out of the year. And you want to talk about uh, doing a, a, a service for all of the various bees and wasps and butterflies. There will be so many that, that will be on that plant. So uh -huh. I, I would recommend that one first. Um, I, I think a blue wild indigo is being another good one. Uh, uh, the, uh, it's not also known as Baptisia, and it's a very uh, when it when it matures, it gets to be about a four feet tall, four foot wide, uh, nice round uh, perennial with these really beautiful deep blue uh, pea like flowers on them. So those those are pretty right off the bat that I would suggest. And they, do they store up in seeds as well? Well, uh, you can do them from seeds, certainly, but I think it's, it's actually beneficial to buy them as plants. Because sometimes, uh, especially the blue wild indigo, takes a little while from seed to actually flower. So sometimes they need uh, a good two to three years in the ground definitely two years of the ground before they flower. Uh, so so it's one that you would want to buy as a plant. Uh, uh -huh. Really the same with the mountain mountain too. Uh -huh. And you say uh, the maintenance of these is very little? Quite very little maintenance? Very little. You, uh, you cut them down in late winter or early spring and then you just let them grow uh, throughout the growing season. Yeah, you have to keep the weeds out uh, of them, but uh, other than that, they are very, very easy to care for. Okay. What is the benefit of not only sunflowers, but Mexican uh, sunflowers? And it's another plant that they plant, I forget the name of it, have some to attract the walnut, uh, no, not the walnut, the monarch uh, butterflies. And so you carry, do you recommend or how to get this. Do you sell any seeds for uh, sunflower? And what's the benefit of South people eating uh, a sunflower seed? Um, so we do sell some sunflower seeds. We have um, some varieties that be growing if you want to eat the seeds yourself. But we also have 
the ornamental sunflowers. Um, and I forgot what your other question was. Well, I know the Mexican uh, sunflower, and a lot of people, oh, the one that attracts monarch butterflies, that plant, that uh, flower. We, we do not have that, um, that particular variety. That's something that's easily to order from a mail order catalog if somebody wants to know. For that Mexican sunflower, sometimes called Chithonia. Um, so, yeah, it does attract some butterflies. So, definitely, it's a beautiful plant. So, is that the benefit of having those to attract the first the caterpillars and then the butterflies? Yeah, but I mean, there's lots of lots of different plants that will attract different butterflies. So, um, there's, I mean, Matt knows quite a bit about the ones to attract monarchs. Um, if you want to attract the black swallowtails, you think of things like that are in the carrot family and the parsley and dill family, they will attract them. Um, so there's different different species of butterflies, like different species of plants. And so you just need to have different kinds so you'll attract a, a variety of butterflies. If you just, if you just uh, tune in, uh, you listen to Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City, this is our April 10th show, and we hope that people enjoy this show and get in touch. We're going to be back and forth with the community garden, and also we'd like to know about what uh, major, retired major Rebecca Bradley does and her different organizations, and what's the benefit of people belonging to them, and who do you seek out? I think we spoke about some people with some illness or whatever, could be Asian orange or some other things that happen. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about veterans for all this. Yes, yes. I have one more question though. Uh, is Perrine a good product to use to keep out the weeds? Oh, so Perrine is a pre-emergent herbicide, comes in granular form and it will stop you know, seeds from germinating. The problem is you would never want to use it if you were going to be planting seeds because that would stop your seeds from germinating. But if you have established plants or you're putting out perennial plants, you could use that. Uh-huh. Okay. It can be effective in helping to control a lot of seeds. Yeah. Yeah, because we're talking about the um, a community where, you know, we meet there once a month. And there's not a lot of maintenance that is done. So we want to do what we can to beautify that only requires no maintenance. Well, the other thing though that helps a lot, and in fact, what I would recommend even more than cream would just be to use a good mulch. If you use a good mulch, which means a, a layer of maybe three inches of organic matter, could be you know, something like straw, could be uh, depending on what kind of plants could be wood chips if you're doing perennial. Um, so different kinds of mulch will, you know, they'll stop weed seeds from germinating and cut down on, you know, most of the weeds that would be getting in there. Okay, so, you know, uh, the city comes and they put down mulch around the trees that line the uh, sidewalk. Yeah. But uh, the weeds grow back. And they only come once and that's what we were trying to tackle, what we're trying to beautify. So is it something that they're not doing right, or how can we prevent that? Well, 
nothing is going to be 100%, um, and everything will take some work. But So you can, you know, if you're putting down shrubs, uh, sometimes you can put landscape fabric down around them, and then you put mulch on top of them. The other thing is you just occasionally have to add some more mulch, um, you know, to keep smothering out the weeds. And uh, I could say for, I don't know, for flowers and vegetables, I like something like straw or I even use grass clippings or we use a product called cotton burr compost. Those all make nice mulches. But for trees and shrubs, probably wood chips are the best. Um, I don't know if Matt has any problems. No, no, I, I like uh, like wood chips on trees, shrubs, and perennials. I, I think you know some of the some of the problems that uh, you can have with weeds is sometimes those weeds are perennial. They're they're and so they have their roots growing underground, and uh, and you can put two to three inches of mulch on, but they have a strong will to live. And yeah. <laughs> I, I you think, know, um, I think of Bermuda we have weeds <laughs> we that grow into trees. Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. What is that? Well, uh, so I mean, there, there could be yeah. a lot of different weeds that do that. But, but what I would also suggest is sometimes using uh, some of those fabric weed mats uh, to, to put those down. Uh, in the in the bare spaces, so you you plant your perennials, or you uh, you have your area for for annuals, let's say, but then everything else has a, a black weed mat on it, and then you then you put down your your mulch after that. So that's uh -huh. a long way to, to limiting your maintenance. But there are yeah. trees that grow up as a weed, and at first it just looks kind of small and not very difficult, but then all of a sudden you're looking around and it turns into a big tree. And so when you see little tiny trees starting to grow, you need to remove them so they don't grow into big trees. And that is so true. And I know like right on the corner of 18th and Vine, they got some beautiful rose bushes. And uh, every time uh, whoever does the maintenance, I used to run out doing, please cut down the weeds, please cut down the weeds. And because the weeds would actually choke out the beautiful roses, yep. and uh, so we were we we went out there a couple of years ago, and we saw uh, we cut down the weeds, and uh, like I said, with uh, pan with the pandemic, we couldn't get back out last year, so we're going to try it again. You know, just because we're in the urban core doesn't mean that uh, we're quote unquote ghetto because there's a lot of uh, businesses in that community and we have a lot of people that visit uh, the uh, district going to the jazz museum and the baseball museum and um, I don't know if the city has money or not to get over to our area but National Association for Black Veterans if we see a need we meet the need and we meet down there, so we try to invest back into the community. And that's one of the pillars of our organization, is investing in the community. And I am most grateful that Mr. Richardson allowed me to come on the air to ask you guys all of these questions. Because it really doesn't take nothing but manpower, maybe a few dollars to get some flowers. But seeds we can do.
So, any other comments on that? Well, while they are working on researching that, I did want to get back to the plants and more organic. And what are some of the beneficial insects to get rid of the insects you don't want around there? Both organic, a lot of people in community garden, they don't know what to buy. And then you have some stores that sell, like, for example, a ladybug and say, you pay this money for the ladybugs and you don't have to worry about it. As soon as all their necessary food they want, they're gone. Well, there, there are a lot of beneficial insects out there in the world. And, and uh, yeah, it, it can be a problem if you buy uh, adult ladybugs because adult ladybugs have wings on them and, and, yep. and they will fly off. It's, it's actually it's the ladybug, uh, uh, the, the larva. Uh, so I don't know if you've seen the ladybug larva before, but they kind of look like little tiny alligators on the leaves of your plants. Hmm. And, and they're the thing that eat so many aphids. So if, you know, if you're lucky, if you buy your, your pack of adult ladybugs, maybe some of them are ready to lay eggs on your plants. But uh, as far as other beneficial insects, you know, wasps, are, are some of the most beneficial insects out there uh, in the garden because they are they are great caterpillar hunters and it's caterpillars that uh, affect a lot of uh, a lot of the different crops that we try to grow at least on the fruit side and and on the vegetable side too uh, so so don't don't just swap the wasps when you see the wasps close by because uh, some of them are actually quite beneficial. What about the hornets and the garter snakes? Well, hornets, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I can speak to them exactly. <laughs> now, garter snakes are pretty good because because uh, they, they will actually serve as a little bit of insect control but also rodent control, too. So let's say you have uh, a little field mice that are digging up your garden. Uh, garter snakes are, are perfect for that. Uh, I, I don't know if garter snakes eat squash bugs, man. Do you know about that? I don't know that. I know they do eat insects. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know they ate uh, mice. I thought you had to have cats for that. Well, <laughs> no, garter snakes and, and black snakes do. Yeah. Whatever information we haven't covered, I know you guys, y'all been preparing for this show for the longest even though I just caught up with you recently. <laughs> Do you have that the community would need and want in order to, I know you'll never go out of uh, enough seeds and plants, but you want everybody, just like our uh, stated earlier, a lot of people are spreading their own garden. They want to maintain it. And then we're into, what do you mean by organic? So for organic, typically what we're meaning is that you're trying not to use um, artificial chemicals, uh, especially insect control, uh, bug sprays, but also the herbicides to kill weeds. A lot of those chemicals can be fairly toxic to humans and to pets, and also the soil and the environment. So that's why we're recommending try to use natural insect controls. Um, but also organic refers to just building up your soil 
um, having a healthy garden, encouraging pollinators, uh, bees, and the wasps to come in. And when we're talking about wasps, we're not talking about the big kind that sting you. We're talking about um, wasps that go out and, and eat other insects or, or, or predators to other insects and also do pollinating and all that good stuff. So, Why do you attract them? Well, that's what Matt was talking about, planting certain plants like that mountain mint um, and some of the other native perennials attract lots and lots of those um, bees and, and, and wasps. Yeah, what, what I would recommend is for uh, any of the listeners to, to come out here any time from kind of May through August and, and take a tour of our insectary garden and also the beanstalk garden. You might as well see everything while you're here. But uh, in that insectary garden, you will, you will see some of these plants just attracting so many of these beneficial insects. Uh, it's, it's really astounding to, to be able to see 40 some odd different species all at once uh, on just one plant. So, yeah. So, I, uh, while you guys were talking, I got a chance to get on my iPad and I looked up the cluster mountain and the blue wild indigo. And they do look beautiful. But I also ran across something called Turkish Veronica. Are you guys familiar with that? Well, they, it, um, I, I, know, I know Veronica, uh, the, the plant. It's, um, um, I, I don't I don't know Turkish Veronica exactly as a kind of a blue spiky, purpley spiky flower. Yeah, and they were growing through like cracks. And they you know, we, have, we have we have a lot of cracks in our sidewalk. And the uh, Veronica's were growing in between the cracks and they were very beautiful. Hmm. You know maybe well, I mean, you know, Major, uh, let me just ask up again. Uh, one of the things that before you came on, I was uh, talking to Ben and, and Mag that uh, we worked with one of our members in uh, Winston College with Green Acres, a gentleman by the name of Bill Cole. And we also worked with him through the uh, USDA. And just seeing, and this is something that you are saying, it may be behoove you to kind of reach out to Brother Bill and maybe we can kind of take this to another level of here and get some other people involved, they're going to take an interest in the community we have down there to try to unify, you know, a little bit more than it has been in the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because we, you know, um, as I stated when I first came on uh, the, on the radio, uh, you know, a lot of African Americans, particularly slave uh, women, they, you know, took care and beautified those plantations. You know, they don't get a lot of history uh, out there about them, but, you know, that information, even though it's not written in books, it was handed down to my grandmother, to my mother, to me, and to my daughter, and we always try to find something to beautify our gardens. And I believe that uh, plants and flowers give ecstatic value to our community, as well as if we just plant them in front of our homes. You know, I don't realize that, but yes. I agree with you, because I grew up in, in, in Mississippi myself. 
And my uncle had a beautiful, a beautiful garden. He had hollyhocks. He had, you know, all type of different roses, roses. And uh, and then my auntie in the back, in, in the backyard, she grew uh, uh, peaches. She grew figs and, and things such as this, you know. And she would can them for the winter time, you know. And you know, and, and, and she sold them. And those That's things, true. those things, people have kind of forgot about doing stuff like that. Uh huh. Yeah, because when I grew up. Uh, I grew up in a community where there were a lot of trees, and it was uh, a former community where uh, they had business people who sold fruit. And so uh, as we moved into the community, uh, there was a certain day that they would let us come and we would pick peaches, uh-huh. apples, we would get grapes off the grapevine. There were yeah. plenty of cherry trees and berry trees, and, and that I don't I want to say that wasn't too long ago, but it might have been a little bit a while back. But, you know, we uh, should return to unifying our community with seeds as well as plants. Uh, seeds grow very well, very well. Uh, I used those to, when I couldn't afford plants. And, uh, man, you know, botanical gardens. We should visit those and see what we can do to just plant a few seeds in front of our home. You know, once again, <laughs> seems like time goes by so quickly. So, in the closing, we'd like to for you to tell people how to get in touch with you, get contact information, and as far as uh, the gardeners are concerned, uh, what's the best time for them to get certain plants? Like, I was going to plant some bell peppers and plant some tomatoes. I understand I got to wait till the end of April or the 1st of May. So give the people your contact information. And I know um, we need to get more veterans involved. And uh, that's what we're going to major uh, Rebecca Bradley so she can keep that word flowing. And let's have some uh-huh. update shows too to tell uh-huh. people how we're really progressing through all this dynamite information we are providing our listeners. You know, yes, I have to say this, a major, uh, Scott Owens, who was our engineer and our general manager, works a lot of veteran groups here in the St. Louis area, okay? And I'm quite sure, Scott, you can speak up here on your own here. But I think, you know, uh, there may be a relationship we can kind of create with the wicked major here that can expand, expand what she's actually doing in the top community. I'd love to talk with her. Yes. You know, because we we all love plants, that's why we're on the radio today. But uh, I believe that, you know, plants also help with your mental health because it's beautiful. And it's something that you yourself can grow and cultivate. And uh, as long as you have land, as long as you have faith, you know, even a tin can, throw some dirt in it, plant some seeds, and give them away. My daughter, she went out and, and got plants and seeds, and next thing I know, right up here in the hallway, she had a light on them. <laughs> you know, and she told me the other day, Mama, this is, this is what relaxes me. And, uh, you know, as veterans, a lot of us experience a lot in the military. And sometimes it takes just a simple thing to... Uh, help your mental health relax. It's like release, 
relax and let go. And there's nothing stressful in it. God provides the sun and uh, then he provides the rain also. And that's why I'm looking for something that requires a little water and don't mind the sun. Okay, provide a contact number before we have to leave there. Okay, okay. So I am the, the commander for National Association for Black Veterans. We don't have a telephone. We do have an email. It's KC NAB, that's N-A-B, C as in Victor, E-T-S, National Association for Black Veterans, what it stands for, Chapter 41 at Gmail. But I also work with veterans, helping them with claims. You know, a lot of times we go into the military, we get hurt, and the VA uh, set aside uh, dollars in the form of composition and uh, pension to help veterans. We don't want their income to go too low. My work number is 251-0751, and I am Rebecca Bradley. I love veterans. I am a veteran, and I'll do all that I can to work with veterans. I've been working with veterans for over 20 years. I started off helping veterans find jobs, and now I help them with claims. I have a co-worker, and we're both dynamic in what we do, but uh, planning and plants and beautification, I believe in aesthetic value. You can turn the roughest, most ugly places into that which is most beautiful. Imagine Ben. Sure, Kansas City Community Garden. At 6917 Kensington in Kansas City, Missouri, we're in Swope Park, and our phone number is 816-931-3877. And also check us out on the web. If you just Google Kansas City Community Gardens, we can tell you about school gardens, community partner gardens, backyard gardens for families, and our Giving Grove Orchards, and just check out our website. And my name is M.C. Richardson, not only the host and executive producer of Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City, I'm also the chairman and founder CEO of the United Minority Media Association. We are recruiting. My number is 816-822-8866, cell 816-694-2273, and our own engineer with all the veterans in St. Louis, the second largest city in Missouri, and we got the guy they ran out of Mississippi, Mr. Our folks, uh, tell the people how you can be reached. All right, Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had my phone muted. My name is Ira Folks. I'm the founder and CEO of Missouri Valley Chamber Commerce. And uh, my partner in crime, my partner in good, is Scott Owens, uh, who is our general manager and uh, engineer of USAHotTalkRadio.com. And we love looking forward to working with you, with you major in the coming future. I know that already. All right, yeah, 816-251-0751. Give me a call. That's my work number. I, I work with veterans. If you have any veterans that need assistance, give me a call, too. Well, okay, thank you very much. And uh, normally, that's the sign. What the military do when, when they be blowing the horn? Well, what's uh, Reveille and uh, what's the yeah. Retreat. Yeah. Okay, Pat. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. And always stay tuned and get more listeners to tune in to. How do they tune into the show? I'll see the show, gentlemen. 
FergusonUSAHotTalkRadio.com And also we can be seen on Facebook And also YouTube and that's enough Just what's coming to Kansas City It be Saturday On FergusonUSAHotTalkRadio.com Please join us And like us too And like us too man. Oh yeah, please like us also Matter of fact, Scott Owen is our general manager And also I will say uh, he is the man to make things take place. He's also a veteran also. He, he's also very much in, involved with the veteran community here. So, Major, I'm proud sure you and he will be having some good conversation in the near future. All right. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you. We're out of here. Life is good, be safe. They got some pain the little women. One day I'm going to get me one. I don't know when and where I'm going to go.